They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. So it's safe to talk about flying saucer and people from outer space, people who may be circulating among us now and who demonstrate their unearthly qualities if they choose you as one of their agents by disappearing and reappearing at will in your very presence in Castle from Giant Rock, California. He's a most unlikely person to claim to have seen flying saucers and been in touch with people from outer space. Time machine you're building down in uh, California. Jack, this was the result of a formula which was uh, given to me by a man who landed a ship at my airport. Given to me by a man who landed a ship at my airport in 1953. Uh, and we are uh, working through this zone with an effort to orient the magnetic to orient the magnetic field to give us uh, other results than our science can obtain at present. George, it's double talk. Double, double, double talk to me. A time machine means to me a little box that I can go into and go back 5,000 years or forward 10,000 years. Is that what your formula tells you you can do? Well, Jack, this isn't a little box. This is a four-story machine focusing fields that we can orient to produce this zone. I'm Juan from I'm, the Juan on Juan <laughs> podcast. And I'm Tomcat from Strange Root Podcast. And together we make one, and that is Strange Wands. Strange Wands, bro. You see you see what we did there? I know. I got a, I got a whiskey like I usually do. Why not? I got a Pepsi. I was taking a nap well, earlier. Um, I do a whiskey in... Um, <laughs> this is funny. Because you're an alcoholic. That's why. Because all Canadians true. are alcoholics. Um. So I did a whiskey, and Chelsea's mom, uh, less, she got a case. She loved it so much when she was drunk that she got a case of maple water. And I said that to Kyle on the Big Dumb Podcast, and he was like, Isn't that the sh- doesn't that run through your veins? And I was like, funny. Funny, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like Moonshine maple water with whiskey. It's fucking good, though. It's good. Oh, geez. So, yeah, welcome welcome back to the show. Yep. And, dude, this this I found some parallels. The last Strange Ones we did was on... A valiant Thor, Commander Valiant Thor, yes. right? And I, I really enjoyed that episode. I was listening back to it because I was, I listened back to it because when I was researching this, I'm like, wait, didn't we talk about, didn't we talk about this? Like There's I was, I was listening back. That's for sure. Yeah, a lot. Obviously, that came after, so yeah. you're gonna see the correlations between the two. But today we're gonna be talking about the Ashtar Galactic Command and. This is going to be a revisit for 
my show. I did it back in March of 2020, and I, I dug up some new information. I listened back to that episode. It was episode 26 of the One One Podcast. Throwback. Really good episode. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real throwback. Absolutely. So this is going to be a revisit as far as when it goes on my RSS feed because hey, it's 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 a cool topic to talk about and to to think about. So what is the Ashtar Galactic Command? It's a conspiracy theory that came about from one man claiming to have been contacted by ETs. That happens and guess, a lot. Guess who he was contacted by, bro? By people from Venus. Oh, weird. That is a weird tie-in. Yeah. And uh, this is does tie in with the Galactic Federation, which when I was, I don't know, 16, 17, I really started looking to aliens. All this stuff came up, especially when YouTube wasn't, I guess you could say, as censored as it is now, and how they kind of, it's mucky, you can't really find videos that you used to be able to, they've obviously deleted stuff, but even stuff like this is kind of hard to find, it just pulls up stuff about <laughs> government and Biden and how great the government is, and uh, stuff like that on YouTube now, but like, what got me into it, I was like, you know, looking at this, like, oh my god, the Galactic Federation, and then I'd be watching all these videos of people with robot voices talking, you know how it's like the <laughs> auto-type yeah. um, voice command thing, and it's just like, I am Ashtar from the Galactic Federation. We bring you a message of light and peace. And it's like there's so many videos uh, specifically about the Galactic Federation and Palladians too that is like just in this robot voice and they just for 20 minutes talk about how they love you and they feel our vibrations and things will change when the w world awakens. It's, it's fucking funny. Yeah, so, yeah, there's still people till this day who are putting out messages from the Ashtar Galactic. I saw community. that. I listened to one, and he was talking about, um, you know, how we're coming out of COVID and the lockdowns, and I they feel our energy and our sadness because of the pandemic. And I was like, man, and, it's, and then he's like, I got another, this guy's like, I got a message straight from Ashtar. And it's like, sure you do, man. The reason I got into this topic first two years ago was because... In the 1970s, there was a broadcast that was hijacked by these beings, right? Actually? Which we'll get, yeah, we'll get... What? Actually? Weird. I don't... I've never seen that. Like yeah. On no, TV? There, or like a radio yes. station? Yeah. No, on, t on oh. TV. And so, we'll get into that. So it eventually turned into a UFO, UFO cult, right? Which we all know. Yeah. I love cults, especially ET cults, which are amazing. So, I bet you there's a cult where uh, people dress up as E.T. from um, the movie E.T. And then they all get in a room together. <laughs> I completely together. forgot about that movie. I know. <laughs> they all get in a room together and then they, you know, draw from a hat and then they get to see which E.T. gets to sleep with the other E.T. <laughs> Probably, bro. I have that meme of Bill. Uh, it's just like... Um, because Billy, uh, uh, one of the hosts on Strange Brew Podcast, he has really long fingers. He, he calls them his E.T. <laughs> oh, fingers. Billy. And then it, I posted a meme where it was um, E.T.'s finger, and I was like, when Billy goes to finger his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to give a little bit background before we dove into the into the Ashtar Galactic Command. It's, yes. and it's origins, right? It's always good to know where things come from. So we have these three main points charlie and i'm gonna butcher his last name Re Rech or reich something like that he, he was a german immigrant we have frank kritzer and we have giant rock and what yeah we have giant rock so check this out the high the high That's a pretty awesome name no no giant rock is a place bro oh i thought <laughs> so he was, i was like i thought there was some guy <laughs> named named giant rock and i'm like i'm not gonna on his indigenous name whatever <laughs> 
So the high desert of California, the Mojave region near Landers. This home, this area is home to Giant Rock. It is a granite stone that is said to be the world's largest freestanding boulder. This thing is man. seven stories tall and covers 5,800 square feet of ground. So whatever that is for you Canadians, eh? Yeah. And Native Americans regard this ground as holy ground. Shamans have drawn spiritual strengths from this boulder, and it's a huge. You can look it up. Giant, giant rock. Look There's it up all these like um, not even monoliths, but like um, just natural, natural stones. formations and stones yeah. that are constantly worshipped and stuff like that. And even yeah. um, in the movie uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, right? They build their thing on top of that massive rock. I can't remember what the rock's yeah. called, but it's that big stone like monolith looking thing, and they put all their command center up there, so then they can come down, and go beep boop beep boop, and they communicate through sound. <laughs> The Hobi people knew about this rock, and they would gather around it with other tribes in the area to celebrate the coming seasons. It is also said that the magic in this rock represents the heart of Mother Earth because it's a huge. Can you imagine that, dude? A seven-story tall rock. Excuse me. It's a it's a giant rock that people claim this place to be quote unquote special, and it is a place of electromagnetic forces. And supposedly an electro electromagnetic vortex. Remember, we did the twelve vial yes. vortices. So it's <laughs> probably along one of the major ley lines. Yes. But it's it's weird that it's this huge rock that's just out of nowhere. Which another and, another thing we could get into on strange ones is ley lines. Yeah, we can do ley lines. Because it's pretty. There's a pretty. There's substance to that. Shit. We can do that with Mark. Mark is real big into ley yeah. lines. Like let's do that for a strange like, ones for sure. So in 1887, we have this Charlie character. He was a German immigrant trying to make a living as a prospector in the area. And a prospectors were mining for gold, right? Yeah. They, were, they were mining. They usually and, have overalls on and a toothpick in their mouth, and they're always yeah. talking like this. <laughs> well, he was German. Gotta find so my he, gold. <laughs> he was probably wasn't talking like that. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and impersonate a German person because I'm going to just butcher it. We need so, Anton. his home, his homestead, where he lived is the area where Van Tassel, which is our next character, his Integratron now stands. And we'll get to that a little bit later, the Integratron, okay? It gets a little weird. We're going to get strange on this one, guys. So this area has a lot of history, including nomadic tribes, prospectors, World War II spies, and frequent UFO sightings. That's a, that's a, World War a mixed spies, bag that's there. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. We have... Kritzer was a shortwave radio enthusiast, and he claimed a stake at Giant Rock, the area. He was handy enough that he built a house under the rock, bro. Look this rock up. It's seven stories tall. It's <laughs> okay. seven or four stories tall. And he dug out a 400-square-foot area, space, underneath the rock and, and built a And he put a, a flag there and said it was his. <laughs> no, he put an antenna at the top of the rock, and he built a one-bedroom with a store with one storage room underneath the rock. Jesus Christ, and it is literally a big rock. Yes, dude, it's a It doesn't huge even look rock. like a mountain or anything. It's just a massive No, it's rock. a rock. It's it's a rock, bro. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, he supposedly he was inspired by watching a tortoise in the desert dig in the ground cuz these some of these tortoises will dig these little barrels under under yeah. the ground. So he was inspired supposedly by that and he thought, "Hey, you know, I can build a a, a house underground." It would be cooler in the desert because we're in the desert. It'll be cooler. I'll be comfortable. So the dude literally built 
uh, uh, his house under a rock and he lived there. He lived there, bro. He would eventually go on to, and he, and people said he was a little, he was a weird character. Imagine you're living under a rock in the middle of the desert. You, you gotta be a weirdo. So people were like, I'm a to hermit him. crab. He was a low, he had a little bit of a local celebrity status and he was known to be quote unquote, a cantorous old goat that would shoot you as soon as he looked at you. That's what they referred to him as. Jesus. And we have here, he would eventually go on to establish an airfield at Great Rock. He would it would it would be like a little airport that he eventually established. There you go, right there. Yeah. A piece broke off. You see that there piece that broke off of it? Yeah, I saw that everyone <laughs> spray painted it. But there yeah, he is. So they He's started vandalizing rock, it. Man. Could you see him? <laughs> yeah. They started to vandalize it. So and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah, I bet the native people were pissed about that. So after that. Yeah, and I also thought about that when I was writing this episode up. I said well, I was editing it up because I still had the original PowerPoint from yeah, 2020. And I said, man, well, how would the indigenous people of this area feel about some... After probably, you know, hundreds of years. Yes. You know what I mean? Of this thing being like their place of worship uh, for a long time. Yes. So in comes Van Tassel whom was fascinated with airplanes, leading him to obtain his pilot's license while still a teenager. He dropped out after the 10th grade and took a job at the Cleveland Municipal Airport. And he was eventually offered a job by his uncle, Glenn Payne, who owned a garage in Santa Monica. Is he related was, to Thomas Payne? I, I don't know. I don't the know. revolutionarist? <laughs> who who knows? Probably does have ties, because uh, probably. You could probably look it up. So... It was at this garage, at his uncle's garage, that he met Kritzer, the guy that was living under the rock. Yeah, that name sounds super familiar to me. Van Tassel and his uncle befriended Kritzer because they would fix his car. They would help him stock up food and money. and Wash his rock. Yeah, they would wash his rock. And Kritzer (laughs) promised them a cut of whatever he would eventually mine. So a year after meeting Kritzer... Uh, Van Tassel was invited to the area where he was mining. Uh, Van Tassel and his uncle both drove out to the area and saw that he was living under this rock. So they pull up and they're like, wait, where's this guy? Where's this guy's house at? And homeboy opens up probably a door from the bottom of the rock. He's like, hey, what's up, guy? (laughs) What's up? How you guys doing? He's just opened up the rock. Yeah, this is my home. He's a miner. He probably built his underground base with just a pickaxe and that's it. Probably. I feel like he's dressed like Yosemite Sam's cousin. This is the late 1800s, (laughs) early 1900s, so probably, dude. Seriously. So, during World War II, Kritzer came under suspicion, and he was thought to be a German spy. Because of his radio hobby, how I would mentioned earlier, he was this shortwave radio enthusiast, and he was killed in a botched law enforcement raid in 1942. What? Actually? Yes. So, legend states... What? Just like Bill Cooper, man. I don't know that story. Is that the one with the William where he Cooper, jumps off the, the plane? No, William Cooper. Oh, that's a DC or a DC Cooper. DB Cooper, right? D- yeah. Um. So William Cooper, right? The one that uh, wrote the Pale Horse. Behold the mm. Pale Horse. Um. The they claimed he had all these firearms, which he probably did, and then they broke into his home and they shot him to death. The sheriffs did. I eventually definitely want to get into William Cooper. That is a very thick, thick talk topic. <laughs> so legend states that all his possessions were taken by the government. And some say that when they threw in a, a tear can gas canister into the into his house, into the underground bunker, it lit one of his dynamite caches 
and they just say. blew them up. Yeah, they, they say. say, and they blew <laughs> them quotations. up. For the next 15 years after that. He haunted that, this rock. Well, probably, but Giant Rock remained closed and locked. So for 15 years, it was is that sanctioned what, off. Okay, did that piece that cracked off, was that because of the explosion? or is that... I, be- I believe that came after. So strange. Yeah. I believe that came after. So during the next 15 years, Van Tassel would go on to become a flight test engineer. He worked for Lockheed International and Douglas Aircraft in the, in the 1930s. He also flew in World War II with a Howard Hughes. I don't know who that is. But they say that this Hughes character wanted to live forever. That he wanted to be frozen until they figured out what is you it know Walt what Disney? was killing. Almost like a Walt Disney. And Literally. they say that this is what influenced Van Tassel to move into the desert, which this plays a, a major role later on. About, I was gonna say about Van Tassel the, uh, sounds like a drag queen. Here comes Christy Van Tassel. After visiting Giant Rock with his family on vacation, he was able to apply for leasing property from the Bureau of Land Management in, and that's BLM, by the way, in 1945. And by 1947, he moved his family onto the land surrounding Giant Rock. So he bought it out after they killed Homeboy. Yeah, they leased it. So Van Tessel would go on to reopen the airfield Kritzer had established along with a cafe. Interesting and he opened would- an uh, airfield. Yeah, people would come in and they would fly in on their little smaller aircrafts. Yeah, and like uh, biplanes and ca- stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. eventually the the U.S. government would start to use this airfield. By the way, he started to lease it to them. He says this in did. a nineteen, I think it's nineteen forty six interview. Do you want to do you want to try out your new Nazi flying saucers here? It's a perfect <laughs> location. The Van Tassels would go on to hold UFO conventions at Giant Rock for almost 20 years to raise money for a project that would make him a quote-unquote noted man of the region. Thousands of believers would come through, and Van Tassel would receive donations from his supporters. When, what year was this um, when all the, the UFO conferences were held? Do you know? 1959. That's crazy how, like... In the 50s, they were doing UFO conferences at this rock. That's 11,000 people would show up, bro. They would attend his conventions. And, and this Van is Tassel, before, actually, I was like, this is kind of um, just after, well, probably, what is it, like eight years like after um, yeah. Oswald. So, yes, because that was 48, I believe. Yeah, 47 or 48. Yeah. But that's interesting mm-hmm. that this is, everyone said after, after that event, everyone was like, UFOs are real, man. It was after the Babylon working rituals or holding rituals that that Parsons did with L. Ron Hubbard. So oh, yeah, it was weird. That's also yeah. weird too. They say that they he, that they opened up a portal to another dimension. That's why we get UFOs. Which I'm doing. I'm doing a whole episode on Jack Parsons coming out soon. So he would have eleven thousand people attend his UFO conventions, and Van Tessel would go on to work on the Integratron while writing books on time travel and rejuvenation. He spent 18 years building the Integratron. It is a 48-foot-high, 50-foot-in-diameter, non-metallic structure designed by Van Tassel as a rejuvenation and time machine. But check check this out, dude. Is it a transformer? It is still up today. You can go and you can get something called a sound bath, okay, where you lay down and they do some sound therapy for like 30 minutes. But the craziest thing about this is that 
the location of where it was is essential to the part of its function. The actual site of the building was worked out according to a complex set of theories involving the Earth's magnetic field and the Integratron's relationship to the Great Pyramid in Egypt and Giant Rock. So again, back to the ley lines. Uh, this thing is along a ley line. Yeah. And he claimed, this is where it gets a little weird, that UFO channelings and ideas from scientists such as Nikola Tesla led to the design of the integrity. So homeboy Makes was talking sense. to Nikola Tesla, bro. Yeah, and then they, uh, you know, they took away all his shit and killed him. He said in this interview from 1946 that one night at two in the morning he was woken up by what was an aircraft that landed at the airfield because he was living there. Yeah. And these people came out, and this being. Woke him up and was like, hey, come aboard our aircraft. We're hey, from Venus. You want to come upstairs? Yes. So they took him up and he was talking about this, all this anti-gravity and all this other stuff. So I want to get real quick into what happened to him because he ended up dying in. Let me see what year he ended up dying. And I don't have the the year but van tassel planned to be the first human to experience the power of the integratron but three weeks later van tassel had died february 9th of 1978 of an apparent heart attack it was a true shock to his friends and family since van tassel had been extremely health a health conscious individual so again remember, who knows yeah. if the government was on to him well remember they they the fbi you can see it it was in a museum i'm sure it's gone now but the heart attack gun they could shoot yes. something into your yeah. chest. It would dissolve, and it would cause you to have a heart attack. Which And that was like, I think that was in the 50s that that was created. Um, so you, people don't forget that uh, yeah, the people in power and the military and the FBI have way more technology that we could imagine they do. So I want to go here one day, that would Tom, be pretty because cool. this, this place supposedly, there I was watching videos on it. There is this thing where... You can go, so it's like a dome shape type of thing, and you can go on one side of the of the this building, the Integratron, and whisper on this one side of it, <laughs> and you can hear it on the other side, bro. That's People were like, "Oh, I didn't believe it," but we would whisper on this side of it, and it would be it would you would hear it on the other side. So this design was so precise that the resonance within the building was just to the T that again, it's along a ley line. There's a reason why the Egyptian pyramids are along these ley lines. Cause the ancients knew of the magnetic fields of the earth that had yep. some sort of power. If you were able to tap into frequencies, that's what Nikola Tesla talks about. If you're able to look at the metaphysical science would advance in one year more than it would in 10 years. And I'm paraphrasing that, but no, that was, you know, obviously you have, uh, I have high respect for indigenous people. They are uh, connected to mother nature and a lot of energies on this earth more than I think anyone else is. That was Van Tassel and Van Tassel plays a critical role yeah. in the whole Ashtar galactic command. We have Ashtar is the name of a extraterrestrial being. Then there is Ashtar command and then came Ashtar Galactic Command, and then others after yes. that. So it, it, it it's a cult. So it started to evolve after the fact, because when you have a group of people coming together, ideas are going to change, right? Yeah. So referred to as Ashtar, sometimes called Ashtar Sharan, was a name given to an extraterrestrial being or a group of beings which a number of people claim to have channeled. 
They are also referred to as Guardians of the Universe, which I thought was pretty badass. I think that's an awesome Well, that's what name. the Galactic Federation is all about, is they're a bunch of, just like the Andromeda Council, it's a bunch of different aliens that hang out and discuss things of how, the way they can help planet Earth, but I haven't seen that help yet, so. At the time that I wrote this episode back in 2020, their website had, who is the Ashtar Galactic Command? And it said the Peace Corp of God. And their website yeah. also said, and I couldn't find it again because it's down. Their website also said is. the Ashtar, and this is quote, the Ashtar Galact the Ashtar Command are God's angels of the harvest assisting Lord Jesus Sananda, the Christ teacher for the earth during this time of planetary ascension, and his mission is to free humanity from the matrix and return the earth to the Christ vibration. Yes, the whole Christ consciousness is a lot of ufologists and um, cont alien contactees. They constantly talk about the Christ consciousness. Even that dude I've talked about before is like, George, I think it's George Calavisius, the Australian dude that had connections with the Andromeda Council, much like the Galactic Federation. And I can't find anything about him, <laughs> where he went. I have no clue. And I used to watch all of his videos and I can't find him anymore. And he talked about meeting with a bunch of different aliens and how they're going to help us and raise our vibration. And I don't know where yeah, these people go to. Honestly, they just disappeared. The, the FBI, bro, they ascended dog. They ascended. So, I could be, they could have picked him up, man. The main superstar being George Van Tassel, who was said to have contacted or channeled the Ashtar Galactic Command in 1952. Since then, a lot of different people have come out and, and appeared and said that they've been of course, channeled. tons of people. A lot of people, right? So it's pretty much a cult. Well, have, it you is seen, seen, uh, have you seen Barbara Mancini, I think her name is? She's no. uh, She channels a Palladian. I think I told you about it before, where she goes in this like trance where it's just weird because she seems like a totally different person. It's quite convincing. Either she's actually channeling some being, a uh, Palladian alien, or she's a really good actress because she just goes in this thing where she talks normal and she's like a British woman <laughs> and all of a sudden she's like, we are the Palladians and we are here to help you ascend. And she like speaks in this weird like accent that doesn't seem to exist on Earth, I know. <laughs> it's, it's fun though, I like it. It's seen as a UFO cult. Now check this out, bro. And a UFO cult is any religion. In Heaven's which Gates, exist Heaven it, Gates cult, definitely. And but you know what? At least they're not telling them to cut off their balls, right? So in which the existence of ET beings operating UFOs is an element or belief. So we have Scientology and Xenu and the Galactic Federation. And yes. Scientology was also established around the time that Ashtar Galactic Command was established in nineteen fifty three, I believe. L. Ron and Hubbard writing a bunch of science science fiction books. And he like, was, you know the, yeah, he was I the author that wrote a religion. Yeah, yeah, and before he died, he said, "Hey, you know, the only way to make money is to establish a religion." And this is a guy who wrote the most science fiction ever. You don't have to pay taxes, man. You can have all these celebrities don't. just pay for everything while you brainwash them. Bro, they own entire <laughs> blocks here in Florida. I know. The whole thing, I, w I eventually want to get into, obviously, L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology, but the whole thing of their, like, what's that called where they have to hold those two metal sticks and mm -hmm. they, like, question them, and then if it goes off, like, I can't remember, it's something that L. Ron Hubbard created. I can't yeah. remember what it's called, and then it's like, if you go off, then you're not part of it, and you're lying Yeah, I don't. Them. I know what you're talking and about, but I don't, I don't know too. the name. Have you seen the documentary with, uh, what's her name, Leanne Rimes or whatever? I mean, that's not her name. No, I haven't. Uh, the chick from King, uh, King and Queens. Um, that actress that was part of Scientology. You should check it out. It's called I think it's called Inside Scientology or something like that. Me and Chelsea watched it. My my woman and it, it's uh it was pretty good. 
like she goes into how I think she doesn't even go. I think she just dips her toe into a lot of the things that happen behind closed doors. But even what she says is pretty horrific in the way they treat people too. Yeah, yeah, they're horrible, it's crazy. dude. It's a cult, so super horrible. We have here uh, typically people who follow UFO cults. They are losers. You know, the the these ETs <laughs> <laughs> these ETs are interested in the welfare of humanity. Always, and they're always wanting to disarm yeah, I was gonna humanity say, turn off from the nuclear weapons. yeah turn off the nukes it's always usually the same message yeah, and a lot of people true. believe that angels are demons or, or that that angels are aliens yes or non-physical beings and you can take this in a lot of different ways because a lot of ancient scripture the book of enoch you have angelology you have demonology and things of that nature but that's where and, they but, get it from um and but then it's like because you heard it in the bible but these stories could have been or whatever you know religious uh script they have but it could be that these people saw real aliens and they wrote it inside of these books and then these people like even the stuff i've posted uh, that get a lot of attention even on TikTok about like reptilians and stuff. They're like, they're not aliens, they're demons. And that's what William Cooper believed in too. Well, keep in mind that the word daemon is either a benevolent being or a malevolent. So that's a loaded term. Yeah, it's again, true. So take, take that as you will. Uh, we have here Van Tassel was, again, the most important person for the cause. In 1947, he established one of the, the largest UFO centers, becoming one of the most successful and well-known UFO meeting centers of its time. In 1953, he created his cult, the Ministry of Universal Wisdom. And this was also the year that Scientology was established. It's like, don't call it a cult, though, okay? Okay, just don't call it a okay. cult. Okay, I'm sorry. Ministry of <laughs> Universal Wisdom. And Van Tassel's organization, in, uh, they, they were all about investigating and encouraging the healing arts. But its prime focus was to, quote-unquote, collect and analyze UFO phenomenon and interview contactees. So they would interview abductees, like contactees, all this stuff. Yeah, it's like MUFON. In 1952, Van Tassel himself claimed to have received messages via telepathic communication from an extraterrestrial and interdimensional being named Ashtar. That's what they all say. Look at Alistair Cooley, as you call him. Yes. Well, yeah, <laughs> Iowas, right? Again, yeah, it's, yeah. it starts with an A, so who knows? <laughs> Yeah, it could be uh, the same thing. He became the first metaphysical superstar of the flying saucer age. And Van Tassel would lead weekly meditations in the room underneath the rock from the 1950s to the 1970s, which he claimed led to UFO contacts. I'm not going to lie. I would go there and do me too. that. If, yeah. if he was doing that right now, I'd, if I could go out there, I would. I would. I would go meditate and I wouldn't be there every week, but I'd go like, you know, once every couple months. But it's the whole thing with um, oh, what's his name that uh does the um, the whole like um, UFO exposure uh, what can I think of his name? He's a doctor um, and he does these meditations to raise frequencies, and they've said that they've seen UFOs materialize and dematerialize. Um, I can't. Why, I don't know why I can't think of his name. It's driving me absolutely nuts. And some of the fans are probably shouted at me, but it's that guy that's a doctor and he did the Syrian um alien, where it was a little baby alien, and they say it was a real uh, alien. Oh God, what I can't think of his is. name. But it'll come to me. <laughs> he said from these channelings, these ideas that Nikola Tesla was talking to him, and eventually led him to building the Integratron. And then I yeah. put on here. 
He was said to have been contacted by ETs from Venus, whom took him onto his starship and as a spaceship. And I said, Commander Thor, Command, yeah, Commander Valiant Thor, is it's, that you? <laughs> I, literally, it's like the same thing. It is, it is weird in how they write. Like as you said on the Valiant Thor episode, it's weird because it kind of ties in how like they say that like you know Venus is obviously a ball of. Well, check this out, light. dude. Van Tassel also interpreted the Christian Bible in terms of extraterrestrial intervention, just the, like and, Valiant Thor. And yes. uh, what's his name? The guy that loved Doctor Strange. Doctor Strangest. <laughs> yeah, and and he said that they had intervention in the evolution of human race, which you have the Anunnaki as well. Yep. And he claimed that Jesus was a being from outer space. And I put on here. I said, "Is that why the Romans killed him?" Yeah, Stephen Greer. Steve, Doctor Stephen Greer is the one I was thinking of. He's, oh, the one I think that le- he's been on Mark's podcast, I think. Steve, Doctor Stephen Greer is pretty. He's he knows his stuff. Like he, uh, people call him a shill or whatever, but uh, he has released a lot of information that I believe is quite quite true. Um, yeah, but it's uh, it's it's all connected. Seems like it's all connected to all the same shit. Really, I don't know if you've seen the movie Alien Prometheus or Prometheus. I think so. Prometheus. It, it it has the engineers. Yeah. So the script of that movie Prometheus, one being one of my favorite movies. There's a scene in the oh, yeah, movie where, I love where Alien. David ate the the android. The android the fr- played by what's his name? Yeah, Fastbender. Yes. Yeah. He talks to this and en- these engineers, which made us the engineered the human race, and there is a dialogue between the two that they cut short in the movie, but they didn't put any subtitles to it. And going back behind the scenes of the movie, they mentioned that the exchange between the two that didn't make it to the final cut was the engineer telling David the 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 android that they tried to save their race so the human race and they had sent out someone alluding to Jesus but that they killed him but, and well, they took this out of the script well there's this that's pretty crazy they mentioned that because there's that idea um, that obviously Jesus was a person not of earth, and that's why they called him God's son. But there's also the idea that people always talk about is that um, Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, um, and he knew it. W- he knew it was going to happen, and he did it so he could fight the battles in the astral world. Is the <laughs> how the idea goes? So he sacrificed himself so that he could go into the astral world and fight all the demons and, and whatever entities exist in that astral world and fight like from behind the scenes. And while watching over Earth. Like I've always said, like I'm not religious. I don't know if Jesus is real or if he was based off Horus or any of these other stories from Egypt and all that stuff. Um, but if he shows up, I'll uh, make sure I believe in him. <laughs> so we're going to get into the Ascended Masters here soon because that's what, what Helena Babatsky was talking about, right? That all these beings all throughout history were ascended masters of this higher level of consciousness from Shambhala, right? The hollow earth or wet from wherever. And the ministry of universal wisdom taught that all humans have the power to tap into the universal mind of God, which facilitates evolutionary progress, such as the exemplified that was exemplified by Jesus and Ashtar. And, Right, this is something that I relate to the Akashic Records. Bovaski talked about that. The cosmic yeah. consciousness, the the platonic noose, which they believed in the universal mind. So I do, I, I believe in that, bro. I believe that there is this thing that you're able to tap into and download, right? The OG cloud. That's what Moses well, tapped into. You know, into. I, got, uh, I got good old um, 
Zoomers on the way. They probably should be. Here. They probably was uh, here tomorrow or Friday, and that's also a way um, to use, I believe, to reach maybe not cr- like something like a Christ consciousness or whatever. You download. Wait, like, what do you? What'd you buy? What mushrooms? Um, they oh. help Zoomers, I guess, what people call them, but mushies. They help. They they. I believe they're a way to um, speed up even meditation processes and reach some higher state of consciousness. I. 100% believe that that exists within mushrooms yeah. and psilocybin. And Van Tassel claimed that by ascending the universal mind, he could receive messages not only from Ashtar, but from humans who had died, such as Nikola Tesla. Yeah. And he was the one that gave to him the ideas for the Integraton. There's, which... there's the same group of people, okay, that believe in Ashtar <laughs> are the same people that believe like uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. is actually working in the astral world and he's actually helping us and he will <laughs> add, you know, that he's going to come back. There is there is a crowd of people that believe that like that JFK is going to come back on a flying saucer and he's going to tell us everything's going to be okay. Van Tassel claimed that his method of communication wasn't channeling. He said that it was a new form of telepathic communication with these quote-unquote sources, a method which included both natural human abilities and the use of an alleged advanced form of alien technology. And I think of why the Egyptians built the pyramids. Were they on to this type of technology? I'm sure they were because they aligned them perfectly up with Orion's belt, but that makes me think it's connected to the reptilians because... The people who do research into this have always claimed the reptilians are from Dracus Oconus, right? That are inside the system of Orion's belt. And it's just weird that the pyramids line up. And then you have that story, right, of Napoleon going into a sarcophagus inside mm-hmm. the Great Pyramids. And then he shot out of his body and he Alistair saw these Alistair Crowley like, did demons. the same thing too, bro. Yeah, it's crazy. We have here, he claimed that it was not channeling and that what he was using was not... Was not paranormal or metaphysical that it was he was able to attune himself to a resonance Hmm. you know that these frequencies were being sent at and he was able to pick these up and application of an advanced extraterrestrial science that anyone could implement with proper training and meditation techniques and that's what prayer is prayer prayer is meditation so i believe that you know that you're able to tune yourself to a certain christ consciousness well i'm a big fan of russell brand right i think he's especially recently been saying some uh very uh very on point uh, and making on point discussions about what's happening in the world between a lot of things and he gives a good point he gives you facts and then he jokes about it never gives his full-on opinion but he talks about how because he quit drugs and stuff like that a long time ago that he meditates a lot he's spiritual and he can do breathing exercises that literally make him high and feel like he's connected mm-hmm. like he's almost Wim, Wim on Hoff. mushrooms i don't yeah. know it's crazy yeah it's get high on your own supply so when you have a group of people, the dynamic is going to end up changing. So this this yeah. this movement evolves, and eventually you had a lot of different people saying that they were being contacted. But one dude's like, they, "You got to cut off your balls because there's no gender in the afterlife." Yeah, and so <laughs> you had two different sects of these Ashtar people, and the, their messages were not correlating. They were being contradictory, and a, a particular person named. Robert Short broke away and began his own group called Ashtar Command. And by the 1950s, this idea of this galactic law enforcement agency preparing for the rescue of humanity became a thing. 
It was well established. And you have a lot of the, these different movies. And yeah. in Hollywood, they do it all the time. Independence Drip Day. Drip feed information is what I think. Yes. And famous, famous channelers claimed their return. But as time went on, their predictions gave them a bad reputation because they kept saying things that were going to come true. And they eventually didn't. So... You have that aspect. Their, their reputation so wasn't the best. There's so many people that do that. It's like the world's going to end in 2011. No, wait, I was wrong by five years. Oh, it's going to end. And then it's like, no, it's uh, it's all good. Look at Y2K. There's been so many predictions mm-hmm. for end of day stuff, and then it never seems to come to fruition. I wanted to drag into this the Ascended Masters and the Ancient Astronaut, which has been a, a, a concept that has been around for a long time, something yeah. that got me into conspiracies, and it's something that fascinates me, that there has been this ancient civilization that was super technologically advanced. And I've always said, why, if they're so advanced, why would they need us? But you have to the mind, Anunnaki. To gold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have the Anunnaki, and you have the same group of entities all throughout history that have the different names. No, be funny. You have H.P. Lovecraft with yeah. Cosmicism. You have the Call of Cthulhu and the Cthulhu Mythos. And yeah. Theosophy, which refers to these E.T. masters as the Ascended Masters. And, and they're Helena all Lovasky. white with blue eyes. Yeah, they, they <laughs> wrote about hair. this. She wrote about this in The Secret Doctrines in 1888. And in The Secret Doctrine, it's a, there's, a very, there's a line in there. And it's a, a Sanskrit term that is... Ashtar Vidya, meaning the technology of advanced warfare of the type mentioned in the Mahabharata, right? These yes. epics, yep. and which is crazy. And you have these depictions of galactic nuclear wars, right? We talked about Mohenjo-Daro, yeah, the well, that's on, on the, Mars. The, uh, now I've become death, the destroyer of worlds. But the thing is, too, right? They said that those those images depicted in like hieroglyphs sometimes and imagery around the world from ancient cultures when they're saying, oh, it's a it's a, a war from the heavens that destroyed the earth or almost did. It, Zeus uh, with his lightning bolt. It could have been nuclear weapons that they are they had or some sort of weapon that would cause that. And I was gonna say it would be funny. If uh, they created humans and used our DNA, right, and the the ancient aliens came in, like the Anunnaki or whatever, and they used us to mine gold, but that that gold that we were mining was just meant to power their cell phones that they had. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we were like the African kids fucking digging up all the copper and everything else they need to create um, all these solar technologies and fucking <laughs> battery-powered cars and electric cars. Another thing that I brought up as well was all these famous religious paintings with little UFOs in the There background. are so many. It would be a good topic to get in, even talk about that alone, because we could definitely have a 45 minute to an hour just talking a, alone just about the paintings and depictions that we see even on fucking uh, cave art. Like cave art by indigenous people way back yes. in the day. And you see these imageries even of like gray looking aliens. Mm-hmm. Like creepy aliens with big eyes and they're, they're white and they're just tall. And there's a lot of imagery on cave art of that specifically too. I've, I've taken different stances on the alien theory. I, I did an episode with a, a Dr. Michael P. Masters where he talks about how aliens are us from the future and they're time traveling back to study us because if you understand time depending on which theory you want to go with all the events are already there you can just tap into whichever part that's why when you see all these movies 
in shows about time travel, they go right back to the future. Don't mess with your with yeah. your future self or your past self. You make sure that he doesn't see you because it's gonna it's gonna disrupt the time continuum. So we see this. And I've always said, what if Elon Musk is eventually able to invent some sort of time traveling technology and he leases it leases it out as like some touristic right tourism yeah, that people would. are able to go and, and I don't and travel I don't trust time. him uh, at all. Um, but also there's the theory of gray aliens, right? That gray aliens are us from the future. And because of a some sort of uh, catastrophic event or cataclysm that um, we were forced to go underground and, and then our, our bodies eventually adapted to living in cave systems where our eyes got larger so we could see in the dark and our skin got pale because we weren't in sun anymore. And now they're coming back and they're sticking stuff up our butts just to see what happens. <laughs> A lot of people claim that the initial account of the Ashtar message to Van Tassel was not a spiritual message per se. And throughout the 1950s and 60s, a lot of people started saying that the movement began to play more of that ascended master roles in its narratives. And till this day, we know that if you just Google Ashtar Galactic Man, you're going to get videos of people. Uh, the latest one that so I saw was many. seven months ago. Yeah, I saw talk one from about. like not even that like I think like a month or two ago. This guy claiming that it was the voice of Ashtar, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this alien's gonna record a microphone uh, speaking about what's going on. Like, they're just sure. they're just trolling us. Yeah. And these ascended masters ultimately would be like representatives of these. So they're like they're diplomats of the of the Ashtar Galactic this Galactic Federation, if you will. That's who these uh, these beings were these ascended masters so i'm gonna there's an evolution so we're gonna talk about the ashtar movement and how it's evolved and it evolved into a movement that had no central authority for several decades up into the 1990s and it was being described as the common property of a diffuse new age spiritual milieu and a milieu is a movement or generation well, then they can. Then they got the internet, right? Where they can be like, you yes. know what we should do? We should make a bunch of videos and we'll put it in computer voices and people will be convinced that aliens are talking to them and they don't want to really show their voice so they're going to type it on autocorrect or whatever. What's that? Auto speak? What's that fucking thing called? Where yeah, te text to speech. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like transcribing it essentially is what they're doing. During this time of its evolution, a lot of people were again claiming that they had messages from Ashtar and they varied a lot. And it eventually got transformed into Guardian Action International and then Guardian Activation International, which doesn't sound as it doesn't sound as badass, yeah. honestly, to to me. Do you th wait? Do you think that the, that women out there have claimed um, to uh, have been in bed with Ashtar? I met probably. This, I got abducted by this very long-haired, blonde, beautiful man with blue eyes. Probably. <laughs> Eventually, they would establish Guardian Action Publications, and it was founded to be able to what? To control the information that was being said. They only they, they gave, if it's not coming from the Guardian Action Publications, it doesn't matter. So, like any cult, they wanted to control the flow of information and deem what was false or not false. If, if you broke against the narrative, you were considered a rebel or you were... Uh, tagged, you know, saying that they were from the opposing Sounds forces. Sounds familiar. Sounds like what uh, governments are doing around the world. Religion, bro. Yeah. <laughs> religion. Sounds like religion. If you don't go against, if you go against the narrative, you're a heretic. And they would establish 12 principles that each message had to adhere to 
as a guideline to make it authentic. And we have here a German scholar, his name, I'm going to probably butcher this, Grundschloss. And he refers to the Ashtar Command, uh, Galactic Command, Ashtar Command as a worldwide network of several loosely organized groups and describes <laughs> much of the Ashtar Challenge as I was gonna say, a group akin of losers. to cargo cults. And yeah. they were blending spiritual ascension with alien technology, you know, all this spirituality type of thing. I don't know if they were on psychedelics or not, or just really good weed. Imagine so seeing we Ashtar tell. when you're on mushrooms, man. Holy crap. I'd be like, this oh, man is beautiful. Bro, if you take enough mushrooms, you become Ashtar. I'm not that's, gay, that's, but I'll suck his... <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole thing. So... Uh, they still maintain that most of the Ashtar concepts involve a transformation of human beings via these technologies who will then turn the planet Earth in, in, to enjoy a golden millennium. So they're all about the transhumanism, the singularity becoming well, the one the transhumanism the should, machine. It, yeah, they become the machine and uh, ghost in the machine, the soul inside the machine. It's it's uh, it's a scary thought, right? And there's um, this idea of that's where we're going and people are like, oh, we're heading into the golden age when really, supposedly, we're living through uh, the dark age because we're disconnected from nature and Mother Nature and Mother Gaia and Earth and the universe and we're disconnecting ourselves and hooking ourselves up to the internet and being consumed by social media and the, and everything that's on the internet and TV and technology in general that we're literally just we're causing ourselves to go into a dark age even though people will claim that like you know what you can you could put your brain inside of a robot after you die and then you'll wake up and you'll become a robot and your robot you can be like there's these things in Toronto called clone aid where you know they claim to have cloned rappers amongst other people and they can, they can, you can go and see it and they'll say it with, you know, this amount of money, you know, well, we can cryogenically freeze your brain and then we'll be able to put you in another body when we have the technology, which they probably already do. And then they're like, you can choose your skin. If you want to look like yourself, you can look like yourself. Or if you want to look like a strapping big black man, you can look like that. You can look like a woman. You can be whatever you want. And they sell this. And I've seen video footage of people filming inside of this, this place. And they claim that they can, they'll have the technology soon to be able to do all this stuff which i think they already do yeah they do let's move on to the southern television broadcast interruption yeah, of 1977 it was hannington transmitter of the independent broadcasting authority and the united kingdom at 5 10 p.m on november 26 1977 of course it was in england probably and there was also allegedly another transmission in 1971, but I'm not able to find the transcripts for that one. When I looked, I haven't looked again, to be quite honest with you. If I ever saw but this on TV in the 90s, like obviously before the internet, like well before the internet really blew up, I would have tripped out, man. That would have been crazy to have something like even, um, there's that case of that one guy that took over the media. And, oh, what's his name? Um, and he like came in and this his screen popped up and it was a guy with sunglasses and like blonde hair and he had like a mask on and he like, cut into a TV network station and talked for like 10 minutes. It's crazy how stuff like that does happen though. Like, and did happen, especially more often, uh, eighties, nineties, seventies type of stuff. Like before the blow up of the internet, we have, I'll post the transcripts of the, of the broadcast. Cause there's discrepancies. Some people say that he said one thing that he said another, but at the beginning he says, this is the voice of Virilian. Vrillin, representative of Ashtar Galactic Vril. Command, and I'll post uh, I'll post a little clip at the end of the show if you want to check it out. It's pretty creepy, 
and I encourage people to listen to it while it is daytime because it freaks me out. So we have here Send me that. the <laughs> the interruption had never been solved and it lasted almost six minutes. And they the people at the station were not aware of it until people started calling in and that it wasn't registering on their on their soundboards. So they couldn't turn it off. Yeah. And people start calling. Hey, what's going on with the broadcast? And pretty much the gist of the message was give up your nuclear weapons. Don't blow yourselves up. Same thing <laughs> as Admiral Bird, Hollow Earth, all this thing. And no one ever claimed that they did it. Nobody ever said, hey, this was a prank. And he identified himself as Vrillin, a representative of Astro Galactic Command. And the reports vary. Some saying that he said Vrillin. Some people say he said Gillen. Some people say he said Astron. And if it was a hoax, the people who would have done it needed the know-how they yes. needed intense amount of power batteries whatever and the technical know-how in order to intercept this broadcast mind you, it's the 1970s late 70s early early 80s right the technology wasn't up to par as it is today so very interesting that they were never able to solve what it was what's and, yeah that's really weird um and the person i was thinking um about that took over was um his name was max headroom I'm trying to bring up an image of this uh, creepy, creepy guy. Ah, uh, here I got it. Um, so this person took over. I'd like to maybe do an episode eventually about uh, Max Headroom because it is pretty, pretty weird. And this this guy took over uh, television. So this is the guy. He took over the TV for like ten minutes, man. Is that fucking weird? What the heck? Yeah, this is like on like live television broadcasted uh, all over and it was uh, it's pretty it's a pretty crazy story yeah Max and a British fictional um, artificial intelligent known for um, his wit and he would just come in uh, it it was kind of crazy some people saying it's it's real and it's not real it's a fiction but uh, he supposedly took over a television channel so we have our next character as we approach the end here Yvonne Cole was, was who was a, a supposed channeler and there's really no information on this person or being on the internet and she had claimed, or it had claimed, to be challenging these Ashtar messages from 1986. And it predicted the destruction of Earth and its civilizations and the arrival of various alien cultures to happen yeah. in 1944. And uh, she claimed, or it claimed, that the government was working with extraterrestrials to prepare for the were. contact. Yes. I 100% According believe that. According to Cole, the landing would be broadcasted throughout the media and it would include messages from Ashtar Command. And due to desensitization, desensitization, jeez. <laughs> you sound like me talking. Uh, did I even write that right? Whatever. Desensitized. Whatever. I don't Desensitized? care. Desensitized? Is that what you're trying to say? I don't know. <laughs> Most <laughs> of humanity would not accept the UFO as part of humanity's continuing evolution. So we have this post-disclosure world where we have the space force, we have the elites traveling into space, we have the TikTok vid the TikTok video that had come out TikTok. with the the uh, SS Nimitz, and the Ashtar followers, this cult would be needed as advisors, ambassadors, and peacekeepers between the aliens and humankind. Right. So we have this again. They're trying to bring forth this movement to be like, hey, listen, we need to stop. We need to be these people, the ones that are going to be at the front lines of, right? They wanted to come Gotta up with stop a group. The nuclear wars. 
So development after the mid-1990s. The internet had spread the word. They were growing their members. And they established a single authority uh, a source for all Ashtar messages. They created the single Ashtar worldview. Well, I and, never knew how far this stretched back. It actually stretches back farther than I thought. I thought this is, came out in the 80s, 90s, and then yes. they used the internet to their advantage and create all these computerized videos of like, I am Ashtar, the galactic commander. Please listen and heed my word and my message. So after the, they established this Ashtar worldview, you know, they wanted to establish that, any channeler who had come out with apocalyptic messages was discredited, and they claimed that these channelers had been deceived by negative space beings who had rebelled against the Ashtar Command and made similar alliances with other opposing forces. Of course. And no other messages were accepted unless they operated on the level of the soul. So it took them 45 years to do this. It took them 45 That's years a long to, time. to get... Yeah. And, and now it's just Ashtar, on the internet. <laughs> Ashtar to some people was a divine figure like Jesus Christ, and some people claim he is Jesus Christ, Sananda, yes. this this Ashtar Sananda guy. And if this, if, if you know what, if I were to believe in Jesus, this would be the Jesus, white, yeah. <laughs> blonde, blue eyed, with a cape on, and a really tight, skin tight, uh, galactic, uh, shiny silver suit. This new framework that they had developed claimed that millions of spaceships believed to be constantly in the vicinity of Earth and they would never interfere with planets, the planet's surface unless there was a serious, serious threat. Right? We have war, the world wars and all this stuff where you have these beings supposedly disabling nuclear warheads. Yeah. And Which I want to talk about a lot. That's I want to talk about the pioneer voyage. We have here in 1994, a small group of members had claimed to experience the liftoff experience. And they communicated. So I'm going to get to it now. They had communicated with Ashtar via the Ashtar network, and they went aboard the ships of light that were circling the planet. So they got abducted, so to speak. Pretty much, but check this out. The Galactic Fifth Fleet had used physical vibrational transfers and just took their consciousness. So these whole, these this entire time they were on Earth and they were. That's what I was gonna couch. say. Like, I was gonna say, did their soul leave? Was that the whole point? They meditated and their consciousness left their body, just like astral projection. That's what I was gonna say, anyways. That it just seems yeah. like this. That that's what you know, Doctor Stephen Greer says. They meditate and they have contact with these aliens. Um, and who knows if that's true or not? But so like the Ashtar so. Command, their followers, the guardians of the universe. Followers believe that we are destined to evolve to non-duality. Followers believe humanity exists on the fifth and sixth dimensions, although there are, they uh, some are existing in the seventh dimension. I've heard there's Earth like and humanity. To Twenty. Yeah, that's what it is now. Earth and humanity are destined to evolve to non-duality. Becoming non-dual means individuals will no longer experience aging, disease, or death, and they will be able to instantly manifest anything they desire. Including we know what you got to do. He's got to drink baby's blood, man. See, renewing. Do youthful bodies and pretty much all is one and one is all so that's that's the ashtar one for message. all and all for one three musketeers yes good so job yeah that was that was ashtar galactic command in a nutshell 
Well, it's kind of crazy. This is so much connected to the Galactic Federation. They say they showed up over Washington, D.C. And, and all these videos. It's like, look at the Galactic Federation. It's a group of UFOs or what we think is UFOs or who knows what we're actually looking at. Um, there's layers to this. Obviously, like I, I'm a huge believer um, in aliens and uh, other dimensions and peop- things that correspond with Earth at the same time that we're here. Like That's how dimensional things work. But it is... Um, this one seems a little, uh, a little fishy. I think it was all spiritual, bro. Yeah. People can do what they want with their spirituality. Yeah. And if following yeah, Sananda, you know, helps them find their path in life. And honestly, this 100%. sounds cooler than following Jesus. Whatever. He's he's golden boy <laughs> Jesus anyway. He does. It doesn't matter. Like it just it it's something cool. Like you know what? Like I just don't subscribe. Like we don't subscribe to one specific thing. Um, but if that is needed for you to connect to spirituality or feel a purpose or feel better about the way the world is working and going and all that stuff, then more the more power to you, man. Like, you know, believe in what you want to believe in. And if it's a spaghetti god out in the universe, I don't care. Yeah, so <laughs> that's all I got. Hail Ashtar Galactic Command. Yeah, hail I think Ashtar. that's the the new Jesus of our age. And I think yes. everybody needs a little bit of Jesus Sananda in their hearts. And, I'm gonna say, yeah. uh, you know what? Uh, not, uh, not what would Jesus do, but what would Ashtar do? You know, that's my new exactly. saying. Put that on a fucking shirt. Uh, put that on a shirt. All right, edit that F one out. Um, no, that was really interesting. We wanted to get into this too because one had the idea of doing certain series. Like if we're gonna talk about aliens, maybe do it twice in a row about certain things. Um, we're gonna have a lot of fun stuff on strange ones. We're gonna di- uh, dip our toe back in the paranormal, um, and I would like soon. Um, we'll eventually probably get back into some historical events uh, because me and Juan, you have covered that a lot in the past, and we would like to get back into talking about some things to do with history and strange history, of course, too. Yeah, absolutely. So that was Ashtar Galactic Command. Make sure to follow me on social media at the Juan Juan Podcast on all social media platforms. Check out the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the Juan Juan Podcast. And this was fun, bro. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Z's. this episode. I enjoyed this topic. Yeah, same Z's. Uh, just go to www.strangerupodcast.com and you can find the link, obviously, to our Patreon too. Uh, Strange Root Podcast on all uh, media platforms. It's pretty simple to find me and Juan. Uh, so check it out and um, we're hoping to bring you a lot more shows like this too because uh, there's a lot of ideas in in the pipe coming down the pipeline so yes, it's not sir. not gas though because uh, that's not coming down the pipeline <laughs> yeah that's not <laughs> <laughs> so right. stay strange stay everyone strange.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.